Hi, I'm Christy Scarrow, and in this interview series, I'm talking to experts who help leaders to have an influence, gain commitment from their teams, and make an impact. And today, I'm happy to welcome Gabriella Serbu. She is a therapist, speaker, and writer at migrationofemotion.com. I love that name. She is a former journalist, has a master's degree in peace and conflict transformation, and a specialization within practical psychology. Her experience as an expat helped her realize that war and conflicts are not carried with guns, but with an invisible boomerang of words and feelings. Uh, she holds seminars, workshops on multicultural communication, and her main goal is to help people become aware of their invisible luggage and how it's influencing their communication patterns, behavior, and lives. Welcome, Gabriella. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So you talk about this concept of invisible luggage. Tell me a bit about what that means. Well, uh, when I speak about invisible luggage, I mean the luggage that we cannot see. We travel with lots of suitcases that we can see. It's physical. We can touch it. But we also take with us a lot inside of us. And I, um, I like to speak about uh, feelings, which uh, one big category of people who are traveling, uh, they're traveling for love because they are following, uh, they are getting married abroad and they move to the country of the spouse or they have a spouse that is getting a job abroad and they follow the spouse. And we have this, const this term that I've heard many times, trailing spouse. Uh, and then another category would be people who travel for comfort. And when I say comfort, I mean the comfort one can buy with money. And we have... Uh, um, generally two categories here. One would be the people who are traveling from um, um, Eastern countries to West Europe in order to get better salaries and better jobs. And they feel uh, comfort by earning better because they are qualified and they cannot manage that in their own countries. But we also have the other way around. People from Western countries who are traveling to third world countries because they cannot afford the um, um, big enough lifestyle in Western world. So then with little money, they can buy even much more uh, in other countries. So it's it's a mix of people traveling. We have uh, this also in tourism, like hmm. people traveling to Thailand, for instance, or to Portugal or to, um, to destinations where they can buy a lot with money. So for a short period of time, they can afford a lot. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Then we have um, we have the refugees who are traveling because of safety. They want to feel safe, and that there is war in their countries, and then they flee. And that's a perfectly uh, legit feeling to run for your life and to want to be safe somewhere else where there is no war. And we also have students, and here we have the feeling of accomplishment because they want to study somewhere else to get a better, de better degree so they can um, score higher up on the work market. So we have all this, and of course, then we have tourism, and there are many other cat categories. And each of these categories has other categories that I could speak a lot about it, but I will keep it short for this, <laughs> for this time. So people are carrying with them a lot. In, in their invisible luggage. And they also, if we speak about uh, poor countries, uh, people that are getting married in richer countries, we speak about 
um, the feeling of poverty, of not having enough, of not being enough. Uh, we also um, have a lot of traumas that people from uh, from countries with war are carrying with them. So it's it's a lot in our invisible luggage, and not many people are quite aware of, of it. Because mm-hmm. if we look at the at psychology as a scientific field, it only developed a lot in the in the last 10, 10 to twenty years. So many people are not aware of what it is in their invisible luggage because either they didn't, they are not educated, they or they simply never thought about it. It's not something that um, reached to them as information. Yeah, I never sort of thought through all the kind of motivations behind why you might travel, move to another country. And it certainly caused, you know, a lot of opportunities for, for immigration and cultures to come together. Um, and multiculturalism is obviously something really important. How do, what do you see as kind of the link between multiculturalism and, and personal leadership? Uh, multi- when, um, multiculturalism has different definitions. The one I, the one I see most relevant, and which is in the Oxford um, Oxford dictionary, it's that it's the ability to see the, all the cultures in a society with all their differences that they are bringing, um, and each culture has own values and teaches teaches. Uh, the people that are brought up in that culture to lead themselves in a way or another. When I say personal leadership, I mean, uh, how do you know to live your life, to lead your own life from the moment you wake up in the morning and until you go to bed at night? What kind of decisions are you taking for yourself? From the way you get out of bed, take a shower, eat breakfast or not, send kids to school or not, and all these small tasks that we all do every single day. And this this is also something we carry with us because we have learned we have learned at home at our parents' house in the culture we are brought up in. So it's also something we carry with us. Yeah, I definitely see the, the, the almost the complexity that I think about an, uh, an organization or or companies who are trying to create a company culture and yet they have obviously diverse cultures that are represented in that company. So I don't you sort of, I, in, in material I've read from you, it's you talk about diversity being both a plus and a challenge. Tell me a little bit about what, what you, your thoughts on that. Um, well, I like to use an acronym when I, when I speak about this diversity, uh, diversity, both as a plus and a challenge. And I like to use the word filters. Um, and filters, uh, it's a word in itself, and it means that we can seal something uh, through a filter, but it also each letter stands for something. And in, in, my, in my acronym, F stands first of all uh, for food. When you have employees, and for instance, you have lunches or you have team buildings, uh, food is important. Uh, But also, um, we have different religions that they may practice different uh, habits for food. And we also have lots of allergies in the latest years, the 10, 20 years, there are lots of allergies that we people didn't even thought they could be. 
And that is important because if people are unwell and they do not eat what it's good for their body, they're not going to be productive. They're not going to do what they're supposed to do in their work or in that particular team building session they have. And they may, uh, that leads to the next letter in the acronym, which is inflammation. It can either cause an inflammation uh, in the body because of the food, but with diversity and different culture, we can also have uh, inflammation in terms of um, communication between people from different countries. Because as a leader, it should be it should be interesting to find out where the people are coming from. Because if they come from two countries that are at war, or two communities uh, in a country that are disagreeing, for instance, the a random example, Macedonia and Albania in Europe, they have been frictions there all the time. So if you bring two of these people, one Macedonian and one Albanian, it's a random example, and you put them to work together, but they carry with them the animosity from their own country, they may not work well together because some people may not be able to put aside all the history they have, and leader has absolutely no idea what it's all about. So I'm going to pause you there because I do want to hear the rest of your acronyms, but I would like to also make sure I don't forget to ask you in that situation then. So as a leader, you kind of recognize that there, if you can step back and recognize that potentially different cultures, you know, could, could clash just simply because of that, the, the, the different, you know, things that are happening in their own worlds. What do you do as a leader to try to to diffuse that conflict? To you know, to help people maneuver through that. What do you recommend? I recommend a, a fair and honest discussion, which point exactly to this issue. Uh, do some research about these particular countries that people may come from. They can come from wherever in the world, or they. It can also be different classes in the same culture which do not get along. It can be someone from a rich class and someone from a poor class, but some uh, the person from the lower class managed to take education and get to, a, to a, the same level, but at the same time, the person from the elite class may not accept the, the fact that, that the person from the lower class has stepped up and it is going to be unequal. So this kind of small things is difficult to know unless you do some research. So if a leader comes across this kind of issues, it's good to do some research about the background of these people. Where exactly in the country are they coming from? What is happening there? It doesn't have to be a big deal, but just to get some information and get them, get them in a meeting, each of them separate and talk to them about that. Look, I am not interested, you're working in this company, you're supposed to work as a team. It is not good for the team if you carry with you all these animosities. Nobody else in the in the company or in the team knows about it. So, what is it that we are going that we are going to do in this situation? Just have an honest discussion and show the people that as a leader, I know what's going on. I can see this. Yeah, no, I like that acknowledgement. I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't think it's something we necessarily think about. And the same thing with with food. It wasn't something I thought about in terms of, of diversity. But as you gave some examples, that was really helpful 
for me to understand how you want to consider that. So, so going on with your acronym, because I'm curious <laughs> to hear the other pieces are on L, right? Yeah, we are on L and we are at leadership styles. And when I say leadership styles, I'm also referring a little bit to, to some books of John Maxwell's, where he speaks about, um, about uh, I think there are four, if I remember correctly, and we have a dictatorship style where the leader is always right. Uh, and um, it's only interested in status and not really interested either in people or results, but only on himself or herself. So, so tell me now what, what the L as we go into the rest of your acronym uh, stands for. The L st stands for leadership styles. Uh, so if I remember correctly from what I've read in uh, John Maxwell's book, uh, books, we have first um, uh, the leader that is a little bit dictator, that is always right, is only interested in status and his own position and not really interested either in the result or the people that are working for, for him or her. Uh, we also have um, the leader that is um, result-oriented, where only the results matters, the numbers and people and their personal lives, they are insignificant as long as they bring results. If they don't bring results, they are disposable. Uh, we also have um, a friendly leader or mostly a mentor, which is pulling the weight together with the team. We mostly meet, it, meet him or her in um, flat leadership uh, styles. Uh, and he is uh, very interested in, in the relationships and the welfare of the people. And the people are just as important as the results. And he or she is convinced that if the relationship between people are good, the results are going to come as well. And we also have the inspirational leader who, who is good at inspiring his employees to work because they want to work, because they, uh, they feel like they are coming with joy because they are inspired by their leader. So we have roughly, there are of course many others um, sub-layers, but these are roughly these big ones. And why this is important? Because it is, as a leader, it's also good to know what kind of leader I am, which type I am, and also it's important to know what kind of leadership was, were people used to in the country they are coming from because it is going to influence the team. If we have, for instance, um, a resort-oriented um, resort team with a leader, and you bring in a person that is relationship-oriented, it is not going to fit in well at all, because that person may need a little bit more time in order to warm up in a lunch conversation, or it is going to need uh, to speak more about him or herself at a personal level, while the others may not be interested in this kind of discussions at all, only in tasks. And the other way around, if, we have, uh, if you have a team where there are lots of coffee breaks and lots of personal discussions, and you bring in a person that is very result-oriented, that person is, is going to feel unease and left out because they won't, they won't know what's happening with all these personal discussions and all these coffee breaks. When is the work done? Hmm. Do you so find some cultures are, are more inclined to have certain leaders or it just really depends on, you know, that the, their previous, lead, previous manager maybe or how, how a company was 
was it would be inter it would be much easier if if it would only be about the previous manager but we all also have country's characteristics remember that we have dictatorships in the world mm -hmm. and it is um, people are going to be uh, to see a leader as a dictator and they might be afraid of that leader and may not speak up they may not share ideas uh, and they may not um, uh, they may not be able to be creative because they are not used with this kind of leadership with with a friendly leadership that is more open to that employees have ideas and share and they are outspoken and these people may uh, only be um, able to do the work that they are told how to do there is also a saying that i hear that we go to work to work not to think so this comes from countries that have been uh, under strict regimes, usually. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's pretty much common. Uh, we see, for instance, in former Russia, former Southeast Europe, in countries from Africa, or even South America, where the leadership is very strict, people are going to be much more afraid because they, they may not be able to make the difference between the leader that they have now in the new country and the leader they have in the former country and that may not be the same they may not have the ability to see this difference okay no it's really interesting and, yeah so that is important to know for you as a leader who is going to hire people from a different country again a little bit of research can be good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gives you a sense of that kind of management style that might be more typical so you can explore it. So yeah, I'll let you share what's, so tell me the rest of the, the acronym and we'll probably end up running out of time after that, but I really want to make sure you, I've heard that and you've been able to explain uh, it. Team building, it's uh, the T. And we see a lot of team building workshops who are only focused on how people are going to solve tasks together so they can be more productive together. Yet. Now, I, I don't think I've seen any kind of workshop, team building workshop, who is focused on how to help people to know themselves, like to ask them follow up questions who can, um, where they can answer, okay, how did I react? What happened in my? What happened with me in that stressful situation? How did my body react? It. What is it that I thought? What happened there? Because these kind of questions lead to self-awareness and self-awareness is going to make people much more um, able to communicate themselves outside to the world and to the, their colleagues. And it is going to make the team much more productive because it is going to bring much more understanding. Yeah, that, that is an example of when it comes to team building. Edu educational system is the rest of the, is the next letter. And I am also bringing up the strict regimes where educate where people are taught to memorate and to be independent and only to perform for themselves. I'm perhaps you've seen on the internet a picture um, where there were some children that were supposed to have an exam and they had boxes on their head and only with some holes to see because they are not supposed they are not supposed to communicate with each other or see each other because that is a pun because they will be punished and this influences the abilities of working in team because in this if in this school system it is only promoted individual performance these children are not going to be able to work in teams so that is also a challenge 
when you are a leader and you are bringing people from outside, what kind of school these people are have been to? Okay, they are brilliant in their heads, but do they have, do they have the ability to uh, to share the information they have in their heads with their teammates? Because it may not be that easy. Um, the next would be the R, and that stands for recruiting process. In the recruiting process, you can filter a lot of these things if you have the right questions. If you um, have, if you as a leader or as a human resources leader have did, did some research about the countries the person that you're going to interview is coming from, and if you are aware of the, all the other things that I have spoken about, the leadership styles, the team building, the food, the educational system, you're going to be able to ask the right questions so you can see what kind of person are you bringing in. But you also need to be aware of what kind of people do you have in your team so you can bring someone that matches also at the personal level. So that, that stands for the recruitment process, which is important for leaders when they are hiring multicultural people. And the last S would stand for status and how important people uh, that you are bringing into your team want to be. Uh, how important it is for them either to have responsibilities, to be leaders of projects or, or smaller teams, how important it is for them to earn a lot of money, what kind of values do they have, where is, where is the, their sense of status, how important is that for them. Mm -hmm. That would be my uh, filters acronym when it comes to multi multiculturalism. <laughs> That's a wonderful framework. I think those are really great things for leaders to think about. And the one thing I just want to do, dig a little bit deeper on is, is finding that balance. Because if you're interviewing and recruiting with a, with a concept, having done a bit of your research, but you're looking for somebody that's going to fit, how do you find that balance to making sure that you are you know, allowing for diversity in your team so that you're bringing people in who maybe aren't exactly the same as you, but also being, I'm sorry, also being very considerate of what their actually, you know, what, what their culture brings for them. So how do you find that balance between not being restrictive because of their culture? Uh, finding which are the common interests and hobbies. Hmm. Personal interests of people is, bring, is bringing them together. But that means that you as a leader know your team so well at the personal level that you know what each of your team member is doing at home in their spare time. What kind of interests do they have? So in this way, you can also ask in the interview, what do you like to do in your free time? Mm -hmm. How, another and it's important for people to have hobbies because if they do not have hobbies, they are going to, um, um, get out of their of their personal borders in terms of work and they're going that leads to burnout and as a leader you don't want burnout people and another question that is important to ask in a recruitment process and which i hear very little is what do you do for yourself as a self-care how do you take care of yourself because Again, if people do not know how to take care of themselves, that is also going to lead to burnout. Yeah, and it's that, definitely become we, more top of mind for sure. And it's not something we maybe are focusing on 
in the actual recruitment process. I'm not sure it's a focus. So that's a great build as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been really insightful. I appreciate you taking the time. I will share um, Gabriella's information in the description of this video. So if you want to learn more about multiculturalism and, and travel and such, I, please reach out to her. Uh, but otherwise, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it being part of the conversation. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.